what's this week's sports on on Salford City Radio and Rob Haxon. We're here talking all things sport in Salford German Show this week. As ever, we've got Paul Whiteside from The Devil Detail. Paul, looking forward to talking all things sport in Salford and beyond. Yes, certainly am, Rob. Yeah, we've got action packed show. There's plenty going on with the Manchester Derby and Rugby League returning soon. We've got quite a bit of boxing as well. So, yeah, it should be a good show. Yep, so we'll start with the boxing. Boxing is officially back this weekend with a massive fight as Chris Eubank Jr. collides with Liam Smith and it's a monster contest. Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, certainly am. Yeah, me and James are going to this uh, this coming Saturday and you've got Liam Smith from Liverpool. It's strange having it in Manchester, really. You know, Liverpool fighter and, and Eubank from, from Brighton. But it's going to be a good build. There's some, some good um, fights on the undercard and, you know, there, there's been a lot of... Um, a lot of sort of bad, uh, oh, badness in in this fight. I think between the two of them, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Bad taste, it really, or bad blood. I think that's the right word. You know, uh, Liam Smith and, and Eubank, they they don't seem to like each other, and they've sort of been golden each other on 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 Twitter and social media and this that and the other. And you know what Eubank's like? He's uh, you know he's a bit of a showman, isn't he? He likes to wind his opponent up. Whereas Liam Smith's more. Uh, a head down sort of boxer who just gets on with things really so you've got two boxers who are very very different but two very talented fighters you know Liam Smith has been up there fought the best in the world you know come up short against some some real pound for pound top fighters you know that's a Canelo he's shared a ring with so he's no mug whatsoever so Eubank's probably you know the the pretender at the moment really who's after stealing the crown but it's got all the hallmarks of a classic fight you know two fighters who don't take a backward step Does bad blood and uh, sort of drama, sort of increased ticket sales. A lot of it in boxing, isn't there? With uh, you know, every every post post uh, press conference before the fights, sort of having a dig at each other. You think that helps kind of shift tickets more than the actual fighters? What I do? Yeah, I think it. I think it does. It just adds to the occasion, adds to the the atmosphere as well, doesn't it? I mean, if we go back a few years, they had a massive fight in Manchester between Carl Froch and George Groves, and. Those, I mean, neither of them two are from Manchester, but it was held in uh, Manchester with it being a fight city, and and that was a, a real grudge match between those two, and it was a classic fight as well. I remember going to the weigh-in for that, and um, you know it was uh, it was really 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 exciting, and um, you know both fighters were were absolutely switched on for that, and you know it was a great fight, and then they, obviously they had the fight at Wembley, then the rematch, and that was eighty odd thousand people there, and, and yeah, and, and all that hype sells it really, you know, it, it adds to the occasion, it adds to the drama, and that's what boxing's all about, you know, it's box office, and this is a box office fight this weekend on, on the television, it'd be what thirty pound or something for people to buy it to watch it on the on the telly, but if, if you're lucky enough to get there to get a ticket, I'm sure the arena will be absolutely bouncing. As I said before, the undercard's pretty good as well, so uh, so yeah, you've got two fighters here who. We were knocking on a bit. I think um, Chris Eubank Jr. is about 33 and Liam Smith's 34. So you've got two fighters that are not no spring chickens. You know, the, the, these are fighters that are coming towards the end of their career now. So this could be a defining fight in both their careers. Yeah. Uh, in the last outing, they picked up a big win uh, against Liam Williams and Anthony Fowler, respectively. Who's got more momentum going into this fight? Um, I think the momentum—that's a difficult question. I think momentum-wise, you know, Liam Smith's, as I said before, he's—he's—he's he's a, he's a real pro, you know, real sort of boxer's boxer, if you like. He's not really a flash sort of guy. He just gets on with the job. You know, he's from a real boxing family. You know, his brother Stephen Callum, and um, you know, they—they've all been all fighters. They, you know, all boxers. So. Um, you know, it's it's a difficult one. That and Paul Smith as well. There's four of them, four of the four brothers. So, you know, Eubank he had a good win against Liam Williams, and you know that was a 
a career-defining moment for him, really. You know, Williams was very, very tough. He went into his backyard in Wales and beat him, and you know, everybody in that arena. I think wanted uh, Liam Williams to win that fight. So he's no, you know, he's not frightened of going into the lion's den. Is Eubank? He seems to thrive off the pressure and thrive off the off being the enemy, really. You know, and the one everybody loves to hate. So, so yeah, I think I think. Yeah, Eubank's got a lot of momentum, but his momentum got stopped a bit, really, because he was supposed to be fighting Conor Ben, wasn't he? And Conor Ben, obviously, uh, with that drug scandal and things like that, that fight got pulled. So he's probably been a bit inactive recently, you know, since the Williams fight, but he's been training like a madman, as is Liam, William, uh, Liam Smith as well. So, so yeah, momentum-wise, I'm not too sure. It, they're probably both about the same, really. I mean, Liam... Um, Liam Smith's last fight against Anthony Fowler that was an all Liverpool affair. You know, Fowler was on a good run as well. Um, but Liam Smith proved that night, without being disrespectful to Anthony Fowler, that he was probably a level above him. And he's boxed at that world level for a number of years now as Liam Smith. And that 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 for, for me, for you, Bank, is, is a worry because he hasn't boxed at that elite level where, where Smith has. So he's got a rise to the occasion now. Um, the bookmakers have made Eubank Jr. the favourite as well, which I found surprising. But uh, but no, I I still you know if if you ask me who I thought was going to win, I, I still think that Liam Smith could could shock it. Eubank Jr. Yeah, you you revealed previously that you thought uh, Smith would get the job done. How did he do it? I think he'll come out all guns blazing. I think both fighters will. Um, Liam uh, Liam Smith seems to be able to grind people down as well. He's he's a he's a fighter who can throw a lot of punches. He's got a big engine. He's fast as well. Um, Eubank is a heavy hitter for the weight, and uh, Eubank can move as well, and he can he can be involved in wars and tear ups. Both of them they can, so I think you're going to see two fighters come toe to toe. It reminds me a bit of the fight a number of years ago between um, Liam Smith's brother Callum, and he fought Rocky Fielding, two Liverpool fighters, and that fight went one round. Both of them come out, and it was an absolute shootout. Um, and I think he didn't even last the three minutes. It was a fantastic fight, but I think that's what this fight will be like. I think they'll both come out, and meet head, you know, meet head on in the middle, and you'll be able to uh, put, you know, a piece of tissue paper between them. I think it'll be like fighting in the phone box. I think that's what it's going to be like. So uh, I'll probably be wrong now. It'll be right both fest for twelve rounds, but no, I just can't see it being like. That. I think both of them want it from the off, and it's uh, yeah, I think it'll be fireworks. You said that Eubank is uh, his favourite. Um, why do you think that is? I'm not too sure. I mean, with the bookmakers, sometimes they can look at things and look at momentum, look at how things go on social media, look at the confidence of him. He's a confident man. He's like his dad. His dad was a very confident man. And, you know, he, he seems to come across that way and sort of, I don't know, he raises his own profile, really, doesn't he? So, yeah, he's a good fighter. He's a good boxer. He's a tough boxer. He's quick. And um, you know the book is made in favourites for a reason, so that that could be that that reason. You know he's got the you know he's a, he's a bit younger than uh, Liam Smith. He's not boxed at as many fights as Liam. He's probably not gone twelve rounds as many times as Liam. So how much has Liam Smith got left? Perhaps that's why the bookies are going towards uh, Eubank Junior. Yeah, uh, you're going uh, to uh, the Mash Arena on Saturday. What do you expect the atmosphere to be like? Oh, I think it'd be great. I think it'd be a sellout. You know, me and James are going. I'm looking forward to it. You know, we're meeting up with James and going to it, so it should be good. I like going to the arena. It's usually uh, usually a really good atmosphere in there. And as I said before, the undercard's pretty good as well. So, uh, so yeah, I think there'll be a big crowd in there. It just seems a strange place to have it. You know, 
Manchester, you know, a Liverpool fighter and a Brighton fighter in Manchester. I mean, Liverpool and Manchester don't really get on, do they? So, uh, but the arena's a great place. It's a great place for concerts. It's a great place for boxing as well. There's been some great nights there. I mean, if you think back to Ricky and he had some defining lights there. Anthony Crawler as well won his world title there. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good... It's a fight city, Manchester, isn't it? And uh, whether it's at the uh, the GMX, where there's been fights there, or Manchester Central, whatever you want to call it now, or the arena... It's, uh, there's been some great fight nights in the city. Best experience you've had at a boxing um, match, watching it at the arena uh, or anyone else? I've seen some good fights, yeah. I've seen Anthony Crawler a number of occasions at the uh, at the arena, seen him win his world title there, and um, you know that was a, a great night for him, particularly coming back from... you know He lived near me at the time when um, he had that, that terrible incident with the, with the burglar and he had that slab dropped on him and it looked like he was never going to come back from that and he did, you know, credit to him and that was a great story, you know, Anthony's a, he's a lovely man as well and his, after his career he's gone on to, a, you know, he's, he's a pundit now, isn't he, doing the, the stuff on the telly so it was great seeing him win something, you know, a local lad win, win a world title after, after such a setback um, and just recently watching Mark Efron who, who's from the Oldham area watching him win his British title and I know I've seen him on social media, training like a madman at the moment, hoping to go European and maybe for a world title himself in 2023. So I've seen him on some good nights as well. So but probably for me, Anthony Crawler. Uh, I've seen Scott Quigg as well win a couple of good fighters at the arena. But I think the Anthony Crawler one, just because he's a local fighter and a nice fella as well. Yep. In the co-main event, Richard Reekpoor takes on a former boxing champion in his biggest test yet. Yeah, Richard Reekpoor is, um, you know, he's a Londoner. South London, a big Crystal Palace fan, Richard, and uh, he's um, he's at a weight at the moment, up there at cruiserweight, where there's some massive fights for him um, in the in the UK. We've had um, a champion, or a, we've got a world title challenger now in Chris Billum Smith. I think Richard Riakpo would like to fight again. Uh, we've had Lawrence Coley as well, so that's a, that's a buzzing division in the British level. Riakpo is fast; he's got so much power as well. This is a big test for him, but you know he's he's very very good. Very, a very good, very good boxer, and I, I think you'll see him win in explosive fashion. There's no doubt about that. That's the only way he knows how to box. Does he need the big win to propel himself to that next level? Yeah, he probably does, um, especially after um, the last couple of fights Bill and Smith has had. He's been down in, in Bournemouth selling out the arena down there, and he's really put himself on the map at the moment. And you know, he's, he's ranked quite highly with the. Uh, the various boxing boards so Reactpo's got to put himself back in the limelight and there's no better place than a Manchester Arena in front of a packed crowd on Sky Television as well the Sky Box Office so you've got the, the world watching you there so yeah he can put himself right back on the map with a good win and an impressive win as well Yep Joseph Parker also returns in about against his against hometown hero Jack Massey how do you expect this one to go down? Well Jack Massey has, has never fought anybody I don't think uh, uh, the calibre of Joseph Parker. I mean, I remember Joseph Parker coming on the scene maybe eight or so years ago, and a friend of mine who I used to, to see in the gym um, told me about him, and I'd never really heard of him. And he was saying, "You watch him; he's going to be a, a world champion." And you know, he's he's been in with some of the best as Parker. Uh, there's no doubt about that. He's probably not achieved everything he wanted to achieve yet in the sport, and I think you know he's still got some unfinished business. So this is a real test for Massey against. Uh, against a man like Parker, who's been in with some incredible fighters, he's been in some massive world title fights, he's got all the experience in the world that he's gained over the last decade or so, so a big, big chance for uh, for a hometown boy in Massey to to really get out there and, uh, and make a statement. If he can knock Joseph Parker off, that then propels him up the ladder, so uh, so that's a, a big fight for both those two. Who's under more pressure? 
probably Parker. Um, you know, he's had some some defeats recently. Um, I don't know. I say that, and then you know, Massey's got this massive chance in front of a home crowd. But yeah, probably Parker. I mean, Massey's the younger of the two. So, um, but I think for both of them, it's a, it's a sort of crossroads fight. These are the fights that define your career, don't they? So, uh, Massey will want to go out there and, and and get the result. You lose that fight, and then you sort of drop down again. Then you're looking for somebody else, and it depends on your team and your promoter how they can can get you the next fight. But once you've got these big ones, you get it's like it's like rugby league, it's like football. It's about momentum, isn't it? The sport. So if you can get this win against Parker, that then builds his momentum. It can snowball from there, can't it? Mm. You said Jack Massey was a local lad, and obviously playing in the arena, big crowd might give him a, an extra boost he needs. Yeah, well, you speak to anybody you know from local who's fought there. You know, I mentioned Scott Quigg before, Anthony Crawler, you know, um, Ricky, and you speak to any of those fighters from from Manchester, from the Manchester area, and you know, it means so much to fight there. It's it's such a such a big arena. You know, supporting there is fantastic. You think about Hatton, the amount of tickets he used to sell, and the amount of supporters he used to take abroad, but. You know, let alone the, the arena. So, um, so to fight there, it's um, it's home, isn't it, for these fighters? And you know, I suppose it's like um, you know, footballers wanting to play at Man City's ground or Old Trafford. If you're a United person, the arena is you know, Manchester Arena is boxing, really, isn't it? And old music as well. But it's been boxing for a while now, and it's held some massive nights there. So, so yeah, I'm sure Massey will be absolutely buzzing this week. You know, waiting to 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 get out there. I'm sure he'll be pretty nervous as well. But you know, come the way in and come fight night, I think he'll be ready. Yeah, Fraser Clark is back in action, uh, but it's against a journeyman opponent. Having won an Olympic bronze medal, does he not need to up the level against an opposition? Yeah, I think so. I think Fraser Clark will be looking for uh, for a big uh, statement win, won't he? Um, he'll be looking for a big knockout. I would have thought he's been, you know, he had some disappointing nights. You know, he's one of the fighters he, he fought recently was wasn't up to scratch, was it? And you can't blame Fraser for that, but. It was whoever they, they matched him with, but I think he'll be looking for. Uh, you know, he's not getting any younger, is he, Fraser Clark? He's he's done very well up to now, but he just needs to start propelling himself now. So, yeah, you say he, the guy he's fighting is probably not the the, the caliber of what he wants to fight, but you only fight who's in front here, and I think he want to put in a good, impressive performance and and, and get a stoppage win. Yeah, I talk about being Olympic bronze medal. I suppose is that extra pressure. Obviously, now he's sort of in the professional uh, sort of ranks. What he did previously when he was in the Olympics. Yeah, of course it is. People look at that record, but you're only an amateur then, aren't you? When you're in the Olympics, it's totally different, the pro game, isn't it? And uh, and yeah, it's, it, I think it's different fighting in the pros as well. It's more more cut and thrust, isn't it? It's not all about scoring points and that. It's about getting the victories and, and getting the knockouts. People want to see big wins. People want to see stoppages, and uh, especially in heavyweight boxing. You know, heavyweight boxing's you know blood and thunder, isn't it? And uh, no, Fraser Clark's got potential. Um, but as I said before, he's not getting any younger, so he needs to sort of fast track himself, really, doesn't he? Now and and get some big wins. But he, you know, it's a buzzing sort of scene, the heavyweight scene at world level, and I think at British level as well. There's plenty of big fights there for him. So, um, so yeah, we're looking for uh, you know to get on the front foot in 2023. How long do you think the transition takes from sort of being Olympic gold or? medalist let's say to being a sort of a world champion slash contender in boxing what what kind of kind of time scale should be looking at uh, for these fighters that are coming through yeah i suppose it depends on on how active you are as a fighter really and you know how much talent you've got you look at someone like lamonchenko took to the 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 pro game like like nobody's business really like it like it was it was easy but he'd had like 300 odd amateur fights hadn't he so 
I think it depends how much you're out there and, and what talent you've got, doesn't it? I don't think you can put a time scale on something, really. But it's, it's different. It's different, you know, the amateurs to the pros. But I think once you start doing it for money and you're doing it seriously like that, you want to get as many fights in as you can. But it's difficult for boxers, isn't it? I mean, you look at some of the top pros, they're only fighting maybe two or three times a year. You know, anything more than that is, is, is pushing it really far because you've got to do a 12-week, usually a 12-week training camp and then you need a bit of time between fights as well, give your body a bit of a rest. You don't want to burn yourself out, do you? So it's difficult. And if you're somebody, I've mentioned before, like Fraser Clark, who's coming in sort of late 20s, 30 now, you've, you've got to, you have got to sort of fast-track yourself if you want to get up there to European and world level. So it's difficult. It's difficult managing it. Yeah. Uh, lastly, uh, the room bill is rife about potential opponents for Anthony Joshua with Ozzy Dempsey McKeon and former... Dillian White opponent Jermaine Franklin. Uh, the current front runners. Are there any other, you know, challenges for this man? Uh, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. He, he seems to have gone off the radar a bit, doesn't he? After uh, after a few defeats that he's had, Anthony Joshua, and you know how much has he got left to give? If he's still got the hunger for the sport, yeah, just just take whoever's in front of you, and then hopefully get back in the you know the, the top three or four for um but you know for world honours, but. I'm not so sure how much he's got left in him, Anthony Joshua. He seemed to t- change his style, didn't he? he was, his style seemed great to me when he first came on the scene. and I don't know, he seemed to change things and, and hasn't been the same fighter since. But we all would have loved to have seen him fight, you know, sort of uh, Tyson Fury and, and, and people like that. But I don't know whether that fight will ever get made now. I'm not too sure. But he's still a very, very talented man. He's a big man. He's good to watch. And, um, yeah, I wish him all the best for 2023. I, I still think he's got a lot to give the sport. So is Tyson Fury now off the radar boxing matter? I think we were talking about retirement, but he's come back, hasn't he? Yeah, he's come back at the moment. I think he wants that fight with... Um, yeah, I think Tyson Fury's still after the Usyk fight, isn't he? You know, he's been like the undisputed champion, Alexander Usyk. And, you know, looking at pictures of him recently, he looks half the size of Tyson Fury, so I don't know how that one had gone. But I know there's rumours about about Fury retiring, but I still think he's got an awful lot of hunger for this boy. You can tell when he's out training and... I think he'll he'll finish when he's ready, won't he? But there's 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 still big fights out there for him, so I wouldn't expect him to be retiring just yet. No, loads of fights to go, and you're just hoping that, like you said, it one day they can both get together and 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 do the fight where everyone wants to see. Yeah, that that's sometimes in boxing, Rob, the the fights that the the public want to see don't happen. Um, and that can be for a lot of reasons with politics in boxing or promoters or. You know, there's all sorts of things that get in the way and, you know, mandatory challenges and people have got to go and fight such a body. So, and these fights don't happen, but you'd like to think that some of these big box office ones will. I mean, I'd love to see Joshua fight Fury. There were two guys at the top of the game, both British as well, and it'd be great to just see who the better fighter out of them is, but whether we'll get to see it, I'm not too sure. Yep. So that's all the boxing chat, uh, and now we'll talk rugby league, Paul. And we'll start with Salford Devils uh, squad numbers. They have been released this week for the 2023 season. Any surprises for you coming out of that squad? No, not really. I don't really like into squad numbers, really, mate, to be honest with you. I know some people seem to think that the 1-13 to 13 is the 1-13 to 13 that play every week, but I think nowadays you've probably got players who, who like a certain number, I think, Somebody said about Dion Crosso, he's number 28 again, but he was number 28 last season and he might want to be number 28 this season, he might be his lucky number. So, so no, I don't really read a lot into him. Um, 
Yeah, that, that that's my point of view on them, really. I mean, I don't believe in them. I don't think there should be squad numbers. I think the, the team should just be picked every week and once or 13 should play. And you should get your number at the uh, train. I, I preferred it like that, but I know squad numbers have been in for a long time now. But you always forget, if you ask me who was such a number last season... I probably wouldn't be able to tell you, to be honest, unless it was like number six or seven. Uh, the rest of them, I, I always forget. So, uh, But no, it was good to see him come out. And um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I'll just quickly run through him. Uh, Ryan Briley, number one. Ken Seal, number two. Callum Watkins, number three. Number four, Tim Laffey. Five, Joe Burgess. Six, Rory Croft. Seven, Mark Sneed. Eight, Jack Armourod. Nine, Andy Ackers. Ten, King Bunny Ayawa. Eleven, Andrew Dixon. Twelve, Sam Stone. Thirteen, Oliver Partington. Fourteen, Chris Atkin. Fifteen, Danny Adder. Sixteen, Tyra Dupree. Seventeen, Shane Wright. Eighteen, Alex Gerrard. Nine, Adam Sidlow. Twenty, Ellis Longstaff. Twenty-one, Amy Burra. 22, Reese Williams 23, Dan Sargeson 24, Matt Costello 25, Ben Helliwell 26, James Greenwood 27, Ryan Lannan and like Paul said 28, Dion Cross do you think obviously 28-man squad is that going to be big enough do you think for, for Sue Blake obviously Paul Rowley talked last year about having injuries and, and suspensions really you know causing uh, problems for his squad do we need a few more players in that squad to boost it? Probably do, but I don't think we're going to get any more now, to be honest with you. I mean, 28... Is it 28 we've got altogether? Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and you're starting the season without Callum Watkins and Ryan Bryles. You're starting with 26 players, really, and you're naming a 21-man squad every week. You pick up a few injuries up in pre-season, then you've only got sort of your 21 and a few more, haven't you? So the squad might be picking itself early doors like it was last season. So, yeah, it's going to be tough. You've just got to hope that you you ride it out and don't get loads of injuries. I mean, the, the, the teams that don't get loads of injuries and tend to keep a fully fit squad are the ones that change at the end of the season. But injuries and, and suspensions are part and parcel of it, aren't they? And, you know, we, we will get injuries, there's no doubt. We've already got two, as I mentioned. So it's going to be tough. You know, there's no doubt about that. We've not got a big academy to pick from and they're a big reserve team like a lot of the other clubs have got. So, um, I mean, if you look at, say, Ellen, they've probably got, I don't know, another 8 to 10 players more than what we've got so so yeah it's going to be tough but I think the players that we brought in have definitely showed it up a bit you know like I'm looking forward to seeing how Sam Stone goes I think Oliver Partons is a good sign you've got Andrew Dixon who's coming showed the pack up along with Adam Sidlow so and, and Helliwell as well who's coming from I think he was at Featherstone played a bit of time at Lee as well played a bit alone at Salford last season so we, we have bolstered the pack We've lost some some forwards, haven't we? Elijah Taylor and, and Sam Luckley leaving. Uh, we've got James Greenwood there, you mentioned as well, who's who's hardly played really over the last couple of seasons. I mean, when did James sign for? I think he played the 2020 season. So he's done 2020, 21, 22. So he's played three seasons now at Salford and I bet he's not played more than 20-odd games. So it'd be good to see him get a good run of games because he's a very talented forward. Yep. Uh, the club are celebrating their 150th year. Uh, there is a... Um kind of a, a party going on on the 11th February at Beulil uh, Park uh, Hall uh, organised by the Supporters Trust of Salford Devils it's uh, £30 per person if you want to get involved with that with food uh, and compare and, and lots going on there it's going to be an exciting night Paul yeah it certainly is I've never been to the, the hall at Beulil so I'm, I'm sure it'll be exciting if, if people are going and they've got tickets 150 years is a it's a massive milestone for the club and uh, it's going to be good to see what else the, the club put on this season. Um, that should be a great night. I know they've got some people lined up for that, you know, comedians and someone presenting it as well. And 
few other surprises along the way. So I'm sure that you'll have a good night if you get yourself to that. And uh, let's hope we can have a really good season, you know, and celebrate our 150 years because you know, it's a long time that you know in rugby league, and you know we've had some ups and downs through the years, but the club, you know, has got a really really good history. You know, we're steeped in history really and you know, historical sides of the 30s and the 70s, and we've been trendsetters as well, haven't we, with some of the stuff that we've done. You know, Friday night rugby league, the variety centre at the Willows, and. No, some 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 great stuff in the history and you no know, recent history as well. Last few years we've had some big seasons, haven't we? And uh, and done really well. And last season getting one game from the grand final. And what does twenty twenty three hold? I mean, if you ask me for a prediction, I'm not too sure really. I've got no idea how we're going to go on. I'm just hoping for the best. It's very exciting, obviously, being a Salford fan. You know, lots of great history, Paul. You're involved with the Supporters Trust with the heritage numbers, and you know, there's lots of uh, you know. Sort of big names that have come and played in them and themselves for through years. You know, there certainly is. Yeah, we've had some massive names, some internationals, and you know, some real top players. You know, right through the seventies, eighties, nineties, and my time watching them, and you know, last few years as well. You know, players have been and gone, haven't they? And moved on, and you know, like the Nia Levels, who's gone, won the Lance left us, and won the Lance Tudro, who had Max needed back at the club, he, he left and went and won the Lance Tudro. Remy Jackson Hastings, who's been and gone, and. Yeah, we've got some good players there now as well. You look at Brodie Croft in the team now. So, um, so yeah, it, it, it's, there's an awful lot of history at Salford. And, you know, we've done well, as I said, last few years. We've got to a couple of finals, haven't we? And uh, not quite got over the line. But, you know, we've been there or thereabouts. If you spoke to, you know, guys like me and you maybe 10 years ago and said we were going to be challenging in grand finals and challenge cup finals and playoffs, we'd have probably laughed at you, really, wouldn't we? So, uh so I think we've we've really done well the last couple of years, and you know Paul Rowley's settled this year. I mean, when you think about it, under Ian Watson, you know when Watson left and Richard Marshall came in, we we had a bit of a drop off, really, didn't we? And a bit of a transition season, as they as they tend to call them. And when Paul Rowley came in to get us back up to that level again, I think he, he did tremendously well. And you know some of the rugby that we played last season was was better than what we played in 2019. We were absolutely unplayable for. You know, some of those matches towards the back end of last year, you know, you think about the Huddersfield games, um, Catalan Dragons home and away, St. Helens at home, the 50 points at Castleford, 28-0 away at Huddersfield in the playoffs. I mean, that was, it wasn't really like watching Salford, it was like watching Australia at times. So, uh, so yeah, long may that continue. Yeah, the Salford Devils Foundation have a presentation evening um, on the 26th of January where they're going to be talking about the Rising Star campaign and the England talent pathway. Lots of uh, youth coming through that particular pathway. Very exciting times for the club, bringing through the, the next generation of talent. Yeah, the club are working hard, aren't they, off the field? There's no doubt about that with everything that's going on. Uh, with the pathways and that we know we've not got academies, you know, that are up to the level of some of the the, the top sides in the league. You know, uh, sides with a bit more money than what we've got. But I think we're uh, we're going about things the right way to try and turn things around, and that's the way to be. You know, you've got to get you, you know the youngsters playing the sport and getting involved with the sport. And there's uh, there's no better bet than that. I mean, you look at sides that have won the league, like the Leeds and St. Helens. They've done it with um, a lot of homegrown talent over the years, haven't they? And, and Wigan as well. Uh, they've had players coming through there like a conveyor belt haven't they? if we can get up to that sort of level then uh, then we can start challenging as well It makes you think how long it would take until we see that next generation of, of players coming through that pathway and to get to the first team because obviously Paul Rowley talks about you know pathways and creating um, you know them for players coming through and it's exciting times that the club actually sort of invested in these areas uh, to hopefully secure their future at the top level 
Yeah, I think it, it, it sort of starts, you say it starts at the bottom, it can start at the top as well. I mean, if you're a, a youngster coming through and in the pathways and you're seeing the first team playing like they were playing last season, I mean, how inspirational is that? You know, some of those matches we played last year, if you were a, a young kid watching in Salford and you fancied to picking up a rugby ball and playing, I mean, you'd be absolutely inspired by Salford the way they were last season. I mean, it was tremendous, wasn't it? I mean, that goes not just the, the lads' team, it goes for the girls as well. I mean, how good did they play last year and how many more ladies is that and, and, and youngsters has that got involved playing the sport for both ladies and, and, and lads? So, um, I think, yeah, it starts at the bottom, as you say, grassroots, but I think then watching the, 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 the pro sides playing, the, the, the top players playing, it, it must inspire them as well. Yeah. Sad news uh, for one of our uh, youngsters, Logan Holgate, passed away uh, last week. He played for the uh, under-18s pathway. Our thoughts are with his, uh, friendly, his friends and his uh, family at this time. Yeah, they certainly are. That was um, very, very tragic news. Very One of those shocking things, really, that you, you, that you hear. And, um, yeah, really, really sad that... You know, like you said, thoughts and, and prayers with his with his family and friends because it's it's absolutely unthinkable. That is, it's so so sad. Yeah, you've talked about the ladies. Uh, they have been uh, playing for so for twelve months. They recently played uh, twelve months ago uh, this week. Uh, they played Swinton Lions at the AJ Bell with for their first uh, game. And what a journey they've been on in that with that red shirt. Couldn't seem that twelve months ago, Rob. Does it? It's, no, it seems a lot longer than that. Really, the, the, how far they've come, the amount of games that they played, and the, the amount of girls and ladies they've inspired through that. Um, I think it started a bit of a legacy off there. I know, I know the ladies can't wait to get going now, uh, but for this season in twenty twenty three, I think it's difficult for me to say. Really, but I, you know, for me, me is like somebody looking in on it. I thought they exceeded all expectations last season. I mean, they might say, Paul, you're wrong. We, we didn't. We expected to win it. But, you know, from, from my point of view, I think they, not overachieved, but I think they just they were awesome. They did awesomely well. And, you know, they've set a marker down now to keep improving. And, uh, yeah, they, they've, they've started something special there. And it's going to snowball, I think, over the next few years. Yeah, they uh, won the championship. Uh, won the League Cup. Uh, we're beating, unfortunately, in the grand final against Alton. Um, but it, it, like you say, Paul, it's a journey that they've been on. Um, and obviously, the ladies are now kind of uh, in training for, for pre-season for uh, the seed to start shortly. And it's you know it's a real test for them, I think, to see because now they're within the elite, aren't they? The 360 best players in the in the ladies uh, sort of game in in, in Britain. So it will re- be a real test to see sort of where they are individually and as a team. You want to test it. I think if you're into sport or you play a sporting team or, or whatever, I think you want to test yourself against the best in progress. You don't want to stand still, dear, and just go through the motions. So I think they'll want to test themselves and, and get better and better and better. And through that, the, the more limelight they'll get on it, the more exposure they'll get for Salford. And, and, and yeah, I think they'll enjoy it as well. I think they're going to really enjoy this season. And, you know, I'm sure they're going to do really well. I think last season... You know, for the first season was 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 tremendous, and you know it's it's going to get better and better, I think, and and you know long may it continue. You know, being the Super League now, I think you're going to be playing better sides, but that that will bring the best out in you as well, and, and, and make you better players, I think. 
Mm. They are in the uh, Challenge Cup. They've been drawn in the same group as Wigan, uh, Featherstone Rovers and uh, Cardiff Demons. Uh, it's kind of a group uh, phase where they play three games and then the top two of the group then go through to the quarterfinals. So uh, it'll be a very interesting test for uh, Chris Bates uh, latest. <coughs> Obviously, Wigan are a very... Very good club. Uh, Featherstone also Featherstone uh, Rovers are, are among the uh, elite in that in that uh, you know the ladies game. So really interesting to see how how um, you know Salford uh, battle out with, with them three teams. Yeah, they just go out there and do their best, Rob. And I'm sure they they can't wait for it. I mean, yeah, they, they, it's going to be tough days. There'll be there'll be tough matches, and you probably one or two defeats on the way as well. But you, it's all about how you. You go about your business now, and, and to play in the Challenge Cup, such a prestigious competition. I bet they can't wait to get started. I mean, imagine if you can get through that that competition and get your momentum going and, and, and get to the final. And that, I mean, wow, that's the pinnacle for for any rugby league player, whether it be a, a male or a female. So, so yeah, I bet they can't wait to play in that competition. Yeah. Tickets are available for the Swinton game and the Wigan pre-season games, Paul. It's obviously very important that the people of Salford sort of get behind the club in, in this type of year, time of year because obviously they've had no games. They've still got bills to pay. So uh, any any ticket uh, sort of counts in our club's development. Yeah, it certainly does. And I know there was a bit of um, who are about paper tickets and online tickets, weren't there? But you can get paper tickets now. And someone told me the other day you can pay on the day as well. So if you just get down to the ground on the day, I think you can buy a ticket there at the ticket window. So don't be worrying about getting to the stadium. You know, if you can't get to the stadium before the, the game day, I think if you get down there early enough on the day, you can buy one anyway. So um, I don't think it's going to be sold out, is it? For I think the West Stand's open and it all's about. 7,000 that stand on it so there'll be plenty of seats in there I think the prices are pretty good as well I think you can go in the um, the VIP lounge for, for 20 quid I think for adults and 10 quid for concessions so the the price is pretty good for it as well and uh, should be a good game against Swinton you know they've had a good win recently in, the, in a couple of their pre-season friendlies so, uh, so I'm looking forward to that should be a good test Do you think paper tickets will ever be phased out? Because obviously with the technology that, that you know, clubs and, and people have at their fingertips now is a real sort of need for paper tickets now? Um, I don't think they should be because not everybody has phones and that, do they? I mean, I know everybody, you, you're probably talking most people do, but not everybody has, do, have they at the moment? So as long as there's a corporate and people want them, I don't see the problem in it really. I mean, if you've not got a phone or, and you just go to the ground on the day, you should be able to buy a ticket on the day. I don't think there's any you you won't want to turn supporters away anyway, would you? If a big gang of people came down to the ground on the day, you 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 welcome with open arms, wouldn't you? So uh, so yeah, I don't see the problem in that. No, nope. uh, Swinton Lions. They were in pre-season action. They played Midlands Hurricanes uh, this weekend and won forty-four points to ten. Good result for Alan Coleman's men. Obviously, building up ready for that championship season. Yeah, that's an that's an excellent start. You know, to score that amount of points as well in your first uh, your first game back, you've got new signs as well and combinations and things, and you might be a bit of ring rust there. But that's a that's a great start, an excellent start, and a, a confidence boosting start as well. So uh, they've got a big season ahead of them in the championship but no I think they I, I think they look switched on there for that they've got another game I think they're playing St. Helens uh, the following week so that'll be another test for them and then and then Salford the week after so uh, they're doing the right thing really with staying active I think that's the, the, the main thing if you're a, you're a part-time club um, you're only training a couple of times a week and you know, the players have got jobs and that I think the best thing for them is to play as many games as they can really get themselves up to speed and you know when that's championship season starts that first game they want to you know 
hell for leather and, and hit that, you know, hit the ground running really and be fit as butchers dogs. And I think that's what Alan Coleman's tactics are really. And uh, and and you can't whack that really forty points in your first game. They're a really good start. Obviously, you say they pay, they play a set Helen's uh, sort of thirteen this week. What does he what does he think about that? What does he do with his team? Does he play a strong team or does he play a uh, sort of a mixture of you know first teamers and squad players? Play your best team. I would. I don't like the way they do that in rugby league. Say it's a St. Ellen's 13. To me, if you're playing St. Ellen's, you're playing St. Ellen's. That's up to St. Ellen's if they don't want to play a first team. So I don't like that. I mean, just, just call it St. Ellen's. And if you're Alan Coleman, you play your best side and you build momentum, don't you? You want to go out and beat St. Ellen's and then he'll want to go out and beat Salford the week after. Um, that, that's how it should be. You know, there's no messing about in rugby league. Let's, let's go out there, put your best side out, and then he, he can work on that. He can have a look at combinations and have a look at who he wants to play in certain positions, have a look at how he wants to work his bench out. And and then when that championship kicks off, he knows exactly what, what who he's going to play. He knows exactly who's fullback, exactly who's his captain, what his pack's going to be, what his bench is going to be. There's no questions then. You know exactly what you're going for. That's what pre-season games are all about. They're about ironing out the little details and you know getting things right. And if you make mistakes, you make them in the pre-season friendlies, not in the, those league games. So, uh, so yeah, I'm pretty sure he'll be playing a full-strength side against Saints because whatever side Saints pick is going to be a talented team, isn't it? You know, whether it's their sort of fringe side or their youngsters, they're going to be quality, aren't they? So uh, it'll be a test for uh, for uh, Alan Coleman because you say Ellen's players coming through will be wanting to push their way into the St. Ellen's team. Won't you look at the amount of youngsters who've come through through their team over the last few years? I mean, there was quite a few in that game against us towards the end of the last season. I think John Bennison was one of them that really impressed me. I mean, a couple of years ago, it was Wellsby who was coming through, wasn't it? And now he's an established first-teamer. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, Alan Coleman will be playing his first strength side against Saints, no doubt. Yeah. Very exciting times, and we be talking about it next week on the Sports Zone. So that's all the rugby league chat, and now we're going to talk football. Uh, Paul, and we'll, and we'll start with Derby. Man United were victorious against Fancy Old Trafford. They won two one, coming from behind. Great win for Hentag's men. Yeah, certainly, and. You know, they've been on a good run recently, haven't they? I know Roy Keane said the other week they've not played anybody, but you can't argue with that against Manchester City. Uh, to, to beat City and come from behind as well, hang on in there and, and score a couple of goals and towards the end of the game, I think it's a, it's a big win, a big confidence confidence boosting win. And they seem to be um, playing for each other at the moment, Manchester United. They've got that sort of feel-good factor now. You, they're on, on a roll and they're winning games and, and gaining momentum and you know, the defence is pretty good as well. So, um, so yeah, they'll be, they'll be full of confidence that they're a point behind City now. So, you know, who's to say they, they can't challenge for the, for the league? I know Arsenal are quite a bit in front at the moment, but there's an awful lot of football to be played. I think City have got to play Arsenal twice, so they're gonna, there's going to be points moving about there. So, I think for, for United, they've just got to keep doing things the right way and, and, and take it game by game and see where it takes them. But they're doing really well. Yeah, Jack Grealish scored for Man City. Um, obviously, ended up on the losing side. Hundred million pound man. A lot of people sort of talking about his form and whether he's living up to the these price tag. Were what do you think? I'm not so sure whether half the Man City players are living up to their price tag at the moment. I think the other week, the, in the week against uh, against Southampton, I thought they were pretty poor. They didn't have a shot on target. 
and Southampton have been pretty desperate, you know, in the doldrums of the of the league at the moment. I know they had a good win at the weekend, didn't they? Uh, but they've been pretty poor. So, so yeah, it seems to be misfiring a bit at the moment. I don't know whether it's... It seems to me since the World Cup, they've come back after that and they've not really... Not really hit the straps yet. Have this since the you know the the break for the World Cup. So whether that's took a bit out of the players, I'm not too sure. But we always thought that could be the case this season. You know, having a World Cup in the middle of the winter, um, you know, it's about how the players come back from that. But you know, they've got some massive signings there. Some very very heavily played players who are probably not doing the business at the moment. So that's up for Pep to to, to sort out. Really, I mean, for me, they're underachieving. And um, you know, if they go through this season and don't win a trophy. For me, that's that's a real letdown, really. When you spent all that money, you know, they should be they should be up there and firing at the moment, and they're not. They look vulnerable to me, and they look vulnerable against United, and and they got found out. Yeah, Erling Haaland not on the score sheet again uh, for Man City, obviously bagged uh, well, maybe a few thousand goals this, in the first half of the season by the sound of it uh, but struggle against Man, Man United never got the service uh, which he has been uh, getting in in the last few weeks. Um, is that Man City? not playing to his strengths or is that uh, uh, Haaland not joining into the City way? Well, I, I was working on Saturday and I was listening to the game on the radio and they was interviewing um, a couple of supporters at time, a Man City supporter and a Man United supporter and I listen to football supporters sometimes, not being a massive expert myself and sometimes they make the game sound really complicated but the, the lady who was talking from Manchester City was saying that Haaland is sort of too deep and he's just, for want of a better word, it sounded like she was saying he was goal hanging and he was just hanging about waiting at the box, waiting for the ball. And she was saying he needs to get involved a bit more. And I understand what, understood what she meant. You need to get involved a bit more and, and perhaps sort of chest it down and, and, and lay stuff on for other people as well. And, you know, rather than just waiting for the, the chance yourself. And uh, perhaps that's what he's doing at the moment. Perhaps he needs to get involved a bit more and be, be a bit more of a team player because you're not going to get sort of feeding off scraps by the sounds of it really and I don't know whether that was the case at the, the weekend but perhaps he does need to, to get a bit more involved and you know Grealish for me you said to me then is he, is he you know living up to his price tag probably not he spent quite a bit of time on the bench hasn't he I mean you know Foden's another one they've got some real strike players there Manchester City but are they, are they creating enough chances it sounds like they're not at the moment it is really a problem for Pep, obviously, Man United equalised, controversial equaliser for Bruno Fernandes as uh, Marcus Ratchford uh, was in uh, the vicinity but offside uh, and Bruno Fernandes uh, caught all of him and, and scored. Um, what do you make of that? Obviously, uh, Marcus Ratchford didn't touch the ball, which means he wasn't active in the play, but he was in the vicinity of the ball and the defenders. So it's a tough decision. Uh, obviously, the rules weren't broken, um, which is why the goals were stood. But obviously, City not very happy about that. Um, I think Man City probably need to. You got to get on with it, haven't you? That's that's it's history now. It's fish and chip paper. It's happened. There's probably been games this season where Manchester City have had the rub of the green. They've had a bit of luck, and other sides have felt a bit aggrieved that you know they've had a bit of an iffy goal. So I think throughout the course of a season, you've got to move on from it. You know, Manchester City, are a champion side with, with, with a lot of money to spend, a lot of riches there, and you know you, you've got a battle against that. I mean, you've got to score. You've got to score three goals, and haven't you, to win the game three two? So. Um, I don't know. I think you can read into that a lot, can't you, and, and blame it on the referee. But I think from from what I've seen and what I've read and, and what I heard on the radio, United with the better side and deserve to win. Yeah, I think the goal 
really shook City uh, for the next five minutes and obviously Marcus Ratchard popped up uh, with a winner in front of the Stratford end and you know what a, what a, you know what a run of farm he's on uh, you know scoring goals freely at Old Trafford um, you know he's really turning out uh, a, a top top performance uh, for Man United at the moment Yeah well they're a team with confidence at the moment are they United and you know, we say it in the league all the time, my catchphrase, where does it come from, confidence? And and once you get that and, and, and you're on momentum, aren't you? And, you know, you can be a, you'd have to be the best side in the world, the best players in the world. But if you can start performing and gaining momentum and gaining confidence, it breeds confidence, doesn't it, within the team. Players start getting that belief and they start playing as a unit. And that's what United are at the moment. I'm not saying United are a poor side, they've got poor players, you know. Rashford is a, is a quality player, isn't he? But me, me, me sort of, um, if you get me drift, I'm, I'm mainly playing as a side and, 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 and believing in one another. And we've seen that in rugby league with Salford, haven't we, where they've done that and, and started winning and getting on runs and things like that. And it's good to see United back in the fold because they've not been nowhere near that last few years, have they? So, um, so yeah, it's good for them and the supporters that they're getting back on the arse. Yeah, Pep Guardiola, in a recent interview, said he, he's conceded uh, the title. Do you think that's a Brit? you know, too sort of soon with so many games to be able to play. What was that, Robert? He's, he's conceded the title. title and says, I don't care about winning the Premier League. I don't care about winning the League Cup. Uh, it's about how my team perform. He's playing snooker and conceding, is it? <laughs> uh, no, I, I think it sounds a bit like he took his ball home there, on it, after that? I think, you know, a lot of Manchester City supporters would be, be going mad if they heard that. I think there'd be some, some supporters turning in the graves here and that sort of talk, wouldn't they? I mean, you've um, you've got to fight till the, the, the end of the season. You've got to fight till the fat lady sings, as they say, don't you? And keep going and you never give up. That should be a... I mean, can you imagine if Mancini had said that, um, you know, against QPR in that game? Mm. You know, we're done here, let's throw the towel in, they scored those two late goals. You know, Joe Ryle at Wembley in 1999 when... They two 0 down against Gillingham with a couple of minutes to go in injury time. You always keep fighting. I think that's Man- Manchester City's mentality, isn't it? And Manchester United's mentality. You know, he never gave it. United never gave it under Ferguson, did they? he? Always played to the end. So, I think Pep's probably just licking his wounds there after that defeat at the weekend. I don't think for one minute they'll be saying that in the changing room. So, is the title race still on for United? I think it's. I think it's wide open, Rob, at the moment. Like I said before, Arsenal's got to play City twice, I think. So, say City win those two games, as long as United keep winning and uh, keep building and, and, and picking up points and, and staying up there, you've got a great chance, haven't you? I mean, I know Newcastle are up there as well at the moment. They had another good win at the weekend at the late on, another late goal. So, uh, it's an exciting season. I think it's been the most exciting title race we've had for a while. You know, you, you've still got Arsenal up there, but you know, they say they have a bit of a blip, which they could do, lose a couple of games, and, and you're right back in it. So, you just got to keep winning, and, and the league will sort itself out. Yeah, let's talk about Salford City. They were victorious. They beat uh, Sutton United 2 0. Uh, two goals from Connor McKinney um, put the Yammies uh, into a winning position, uh, and they took the three points. Yeah, I mean, it's been another funny season for Salford, hasn't it? A bit inconsistent at times, and. At the moment, they're up there, aren't they? I think they're still in the playoff mix at the moment. There's a long way to go yet, though, isn't there? But you've just got to keep, you know, keep that um, momentum going now and, and keep being consistent. If they want to finish in that playoff, it's going to be tough because there's a lot of teams all sort of banded in there together. I know Bradford 
were up there, aren't they? They had a shock defeat last week against Rochdale, didn't they? That was a, a strange one. So, so yeah, there'll be teams that sort of bottle it. There'll be teams that come on with a wet sail towards the end. But so we've just got to keep in there at the moment. And I'm not so sure how many points they're off for automatic promotion. But other than a million miles away, are they? So you've still got to be targeting that as well for me. But at the moment, yeah, doing okay. That was a good win. Yeah, Alex Cairns, the goalkeeper, saved a penalty for Salford, which was great. Salford are fifth in the league, 41 points, four points behind Northampton in third with a game in hand. So uh, that will be a, a sort of big test to see if we can catch them. Obviously, you know, with a game in hand, it gives you opportunity. Yeah, of course it does. And there's a lot of games left to be played yet, isn't there? How many games have they played up to now? Uh, Salford played 25. So there's 46, isn't there, in total? So there's an awful long way to go yet. Um, so yeah you just got to keep going now Rob and keep winning matches and, and as I said teams will fall away Team, some teams will come come on strong like they always do you always seem to get a couple of teams who drop out and then you get teams that sort of start winning it towards the end of the season and jump into the playoffs and they, they're usually the teams that are dangerous aren't they that come home with that wet sail as I say and, and get into the playoffs and then they're winning matches every week but so we're in a good position at the moment like you said with a game in hand so all right having a game in hand you've got to win it haven't you so uh no, they're in a good position at the moment. No, that, as I said, that was a good win at weekend against a tough side. Yeah, let's look at the rest of the Premier League uh, games this uh, this week. Arsenal uh, were away at Spurs and won two nil. Uh, obviously, leads of the Premier League need to get winning. That's right, and they are doing. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the odds were on Arsenal at the start of the season to to be up there challenging and, and to win the league. I'm not sure, but I don't think they were one of the favourites, were they? So um, I think they've been the Probably the, well, the most consistent side so far this season. Are they going to take some catching now? They, they, they were five points, I think, in front of City. Is there eight points in front yep. of City now? So eight points. That's that, that's a good lead that to have now at this sort of time of the season. But as I mentioned before, they've still got to play City twice, so there's six points. So uh, that could be a big swing there. They're going to be massive games, aren't they, when they play Manchester City? So, uh, but no, the, you know, Arteta's doing a good job there at Arsenal, and yeah, they surprised me certainly. Uh, Liverpool were away at Brighton and lost uh, 3-0 uh, substandard performance uh, by Liverpool uh, pressure is building on uh, Klopp um, do you see a potential change at Anfield? Um, I like Klopp I think he's a character I think he's done a good job at Liverpool I, I'd like to see him stay there but I heard him mentioning at the weekend or I think it was last week about you know he's taking its toll on the amount of games he played last season I mean come on the professional athletes you know, I don't think you can start looking back at last season. You're playing poorly at the moment, and you you got thumped at Brighton. So, you know, I think they need to to improve, don't they? They've had a real poor season um, for by their their accounts. But to blame it on last season, the amount of games you played last year, I think it's a bit of a, a poor excuse, really. So perhaps he's losing the the plot a bit, old Klopp. But uh, I'm not too sure. But they they've been poor this season. Yeah, the blue side of Merse side uh, didn't fare too good as well. They lost 2-1 at home uh, to Southampton. Uh, Frank Lampard under pressure. Oh, he's under massive pressure. I mean, they were leading in that game 1-0 as well. And Southampton, are, I'm pretty sure Southampton are bottom, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, for them to start back and win that game. I mean, the, the league for me took a bit of a turn last few weeks. I mean, Nottingham Forest looked dead and buried about a month ago and they've shot right up the table now haven't they and pulled themselves away from, from that uh, relegation so Leicester another one as well who, who shifted out 
and you've got Everton who dropped down in there. Now, I don't think Everton ever been relegated, have they? No. Nope. Uh, but they're in massive danger of it this season. Now, I mean, there was a, a load of hoo yesterday, wasn't there? Or Saturday, sorry. Uh, about the board going to the game. You know, they told them not to go because there's protests and all that. They're a club in real turmoil at the moment, Everton. And, you know, if they're not careful, they're, they're going to wind up in the Championship because I, I don't know. There, was, there were scenes at the end of the game where supporters were arguing with players. And, and all sorts of stuff going on. So, uh, so yeah, there's, there's a bit of a toxic atmosphere at the moment there, at the moment. And you've got to feel sorry for Frank Lampard, really. Where does he go from there? Are the board going to make a change? Are they going to get rid of him? Because sooner or later, the panic buttons are going to start there because they don't want to go down. You you go down and it's, it's a tough league to get out of that championship, isn't it? Talking about pushing panic buttons, uh, Colin Cooper, Knotts Forest, uh, his button wasn't pressed. Uh, and they beat uh, Leicester City 2-0 do you think they've turned the corner? Forest, obviously, a lot of team, a lot of players, a lot of people. Sorry, thought Forest were the further chop, but uh, they are top of the top of the bottom now, if that makes sense. So they are kind of looking up if they continue on the good form. They've turned it round, haven't they? As I mentioned before, like, I think it was last month. They looked dead and buried, didn't they? They've had a couple of good results, and um, they, they've moved out of the table. And Leicester, another one, they, they look dead and buried for me. And um, I know Forest beat them at the weekend, but <clears throat> they've moved up there. It's very interesting down the bottom now. You've got. I think Leeds have dropped right down there now as well. Um, they're, they're in trouble, aren't they? So Bournemouth are down there. You, you've got a lot of sides down there now. We're, we're fighting for survival. It's, it's pulling more teams into into the mix, and it's going to be an exciting end to the season. I wouldn't like to say who's going to go down, but as I said, Everton looking in real trouble. I think just the way they're their sort of club is at the moment. The amount of turmoil it's in with all the off the field stuff and you know directors and. You know the the way the way the, the supporters are at the moment. That that's a bad atmosphere there, isn't it? And it's pressure. It's a pressure cooker. You know, they won nil up there at home, the bottom side of Southampton. They blew it. So every time that that's another nail in the coffin. So they they need a result and fast. Yep. Newcastle won one nil. Uh, they beat Fulham. Uh, last minute goal by uh, new signing Isaac uh, was a difference. Obviously, he's been out injured, but he's come back in now and he's popping the goals in. That was a big win for Newcastle. You look at Fulham, I mean, you'd have expected Fulham to be in the top six. I think they're, they're, they're six at the moment, aren't they? So they've had an excellent season. Very, very uh, tough side to play against. Newcastle, though, hung in there, didn't they, and, and got a late goal. So um, they continue to, to stay towards the top of the table. And, um, you know, they're, they're challenging at the moment, aren't they? I mean, yeah, they're a bit off the off the top, aren't they? But having an excellent season. Um, Eddie Howe's done a, done a good job there, hasn't he? And, uh, you know, perhaps a lot of people didn't expect him to, to do that well, but he's he's turned that club around. There's a lot of expectation there at Newcastle. You've got 50,000 supporters there every week. It means everything to you, don't you? And they're enjoying it. They're having a really good year. And that was a good result against Fulham. It is a real test for, for everyone in the Premier League. Um, talking about fixtures for this week, we'll start. We'll start with uh, Salford City. They are away at Barra on Saturday. Obviously, after last week's win, need to keep uh, the momentum going. Yeah, certainly do. Tough place to go, Barrow. Yeah, it'd be a tough game for them, that. But yeah, be momentum, build a bit of momentum to, to get a result there, and uh, be a tough, be a tough game though. It will, it will. And obviously, talking about tough games, uh, Man City play at Tottenham Hotspur. At home on Thursday, and then they go to Wolves, and they play Wolves at home on Sunday. Um, obviously, Spurs with Harry Kane. Uh, they recently lost to Arsenal, um, so but well, they are still in the race for a, for a top four spot. So it will be a real test uh, for Pep Guardiola's men after 
last week's defeat against the bitter rivals Man United. They'll need to get back on the arse and quick. They need to win a both, Rob. I think they need to get six points out of those two games just to keep the pressure on Arsenal. They can't afford to slip up in either of those. Uh, Tottenham, over the years, have been a bit of a bogey team for City, haven't they? But uh, you'd expect them to get a result in that game. But at the moment, I'm not so sure. They, they look, as I said before, they look vulnerable against Manchester United. And 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 yeah, Tottenham can, can play. They've got some good players there. And Wolves, another game as well. That could be a banana skin. You know, they've started picking points, haven't they? So... Uh, so, yeah, the pressure's on now. City, they're a team to be shot at and they're going to have to be switched on to get six points. Most difficult game out of them two for City? Um, did they both home? Yes. Probably the Tottenham game. Hmm. Uh, Tottenham have had a tough game against Arsenal, haven't they, and, and, and lost. And City's had a tough game against United and lost. So, uh, you know, Tottenham got some quality players, as you mentioned there. Harry Kane seems to score quite a bit against Man City, I think. So, uh, that'd be a tough game. But so will the Wolves game. Wolves have, bit, have improved out of sight since sort of Christmas. So, that's going to be another difficult game as well. And it's sometimes those sort of games, you know, against the, the lesser teams, if you like, there's more pressure there because they might come and sort of play for a draw, get on the City's feet and, and, and make it difficult for them. So, City need to find a way around that and, uh, yeah, need to, need to come up with some good morale-boosting performances. Yep. With a minute to go, uh, Man United are away uh, against Palace on, I think, Wednesday. And then they are away to Arsenal on Sunday. Arsenal top of the table uh, will be a real clash, that. Six points there for United, though, and they can start dreaming, I think. Mm. If you can beat Palace and then beat Arsenal, they're right in the mix, aren't they? So this is a huge week for both our Manchester teams, Manchester City and Manchester United. But um, I think the cat will be amongst the pigeons if United can beat Arsenal. Yeah, with 50 seconds to go, Ten Hag wins against Arsenal. Can they really be dreaming about title success? Yeah, definitely. As I mentioned before, Arsenal got to play City twice, so there's going to be points dropped and, and lost all over the place. You've got the FA Cup as well that's going to get in the way. Uh, Champions League as well for Manchester City. and Yeah, I, I think there's an awful lot of twists and turns this season. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be an exciting running. It is going to be exciting, Paul, and we're going to be talking all about it on the Sport Zone on Salford City Radio with you, our dear listeners. Big thanks for tuning in to the Sport Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Bruce Parkinson, he's been Paul Whiteside, and we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat in the city of Salford. Big thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you soon.